Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to Branching Out, an upbeat, friend-building, Christian-uniting ministry. Branch Living is part of Infusing Faith Ministries, a Christian life planning ministry, and this podcast, Branching Out, is part of Branch Living. In each podcast, we will focus on our Branch Living message, share an interesting story that pertains to our faith, some inspirational, some disturbing, but always relevant. We will share scripture, prayers, and praise once each week we'll podcast for about 15 or 20 minutes. And we um, encourage you to ask your friends and family to join us because together we are stronger. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time again apart this week. We thank you for the week that we've had and we thank you for the week ahead. We ask you to quiet our souls and open our minds for the brief meeting we're gonna have today to discuss aspects of our faith and to unite together as Christian brothers and sisters. We pray this in your name. Amen. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about the cure for anxiety. And um, I live in, I work in a hospital and so I live in a world where um, anxiety can run pretty strong, particularly during this pandemic. And um, I was really blessed to be able to listen to a church service uh, this week. And I just want to kind of go over the message that the minister had and encourage you to listen to it. Uh, Because of course, I will not be able to deliver it as well as he did. But there are a few points that he made within that message. I'm not gonna go through the whole message, um, but a few points that he made that I thought were very, very relevant. And I wanted to I kind of entice you to go listen to this sermon just by mentioning a few of these points. So one blessing that the pandemic has brought into my life is the desire to listen to sermons from churches all across the country. I now have a list of church services I listen to in addition to the local church I hope to attend in person again soon. A particularly dynamic minister is Tim Delena of the uh, Times Square Church in New York City. Recently, he preached a message on how to overcome anxiety, and there were points he made that I thought were profoundly simple, particularly memorable, and spot on. Recent surveys reveal that one in three Americans is experiencing anxiety. This number has skyrocketed under the stress of the pandemic. Joblessness, loneliness, fear, these all feed anxiety, and anxiety destroys joy. Charles Spurgeon once said that anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And while that rings true, it is often hard to reason yourself out of the state of anxiety. So what can we do to keep anxiety at bay? Well, uh, Pastor Tim began by noting that you cannot pray and worry at the same time. So begin with prayer because prayer defeats worry. I thought that, you know, that is so simple, but that is so profound that you cannot pray and worry at the same time. And so you begin with prayer because your prayer will defeat worry. He also noted that we should cast all of our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. And here, uh, Pastor Tim made an interesting point. He said the only other place in the Bible 
that that exact word cast is used is when the disciples cast their coats on the colt that Jesus rode on Palm Sunday. The significance of this similar word choice is when the disciples cast their coats on the colt, they put Jesus on top of them. And so Pastor Tim noted that we should do the same with our own cares and anxieties. We should cast them off and we should put Jesus on top of them. The sermon is brilliantly crafted and there is so much more worth hearing and you can watch it on YouTube or by going to the church webpage and clicking on the January 2nd sermon. Again, it was it's the Times Square Church of New York City. But I will repeat one story that he told that struck me. Pastor Tim was noting that we need to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand because what lies ahead in our lives is often too much for us to face alone. And he illustrated this through a story of a young man who was helping his father on the farm. The young man was clearing a field and he was removing rocks. He reached a particularly big rock and he simply could not budge it. Try as he would, he could not move that rock. He told his father, I have tried repeatedly to move this rock and I simply cannot. I have used every bit of my strength, but it will not budge. And his father stared at the young man and said, no son, you have not used all of your strength. And the young man was puzzled and actually a bit offended. And he said, how can you say that? I have used all the strength I have. And his father said, no, you never called me over to help. I am always here for you, always with you. I am part of your strength. And together they moved the stone. So anxiety is like that big stone. We can push and we can pull on it to no avail. But the Lord is our strength and we need to turn to him. We need to cast our cares upon him and rely on his strength to help us remove the source of anxiety from our lives. So again, just listening to the message that Pastor Tim gave, how do we deal with anxiety? Well, first we pray because you cannot worry and pray at the same time. Second, we cast our anxieties away and we put Jesus on top of them. And then we humble ourselves under his mighty hand because what lies ahead of us is simply too much for us. And we call upon his strength to see us through. Pastor Tim concludes by urging the congregants to listen to the voice of God instead of the roar of the lion, which is the noise and the disturbances of this world. My sheep know my voice, Jesus says. And so now it's time for us to listen to the voice of Jesus. You know, it's a beautiful sermon, and I really do encourage you to uh, listen to it and listen to it in its full because I just took a few pieces of it to uh, summarize for you to kind of entice you, like I said, to want to listen to it yourself. I'm also going to, again, I won't read every word in this story, but I wanted to uh, read a really interesting um, article. It's under spiritual formation and it's an article published in Christianity Today. December 29th, 2021. And what really intrigued me is it's called, There is No Such Thing as Time Management. And this is written by uh, Jen Pollock Michael. And she writes, I used to be a lifetime reader of time management books, 
After the world shut down in March of 2020, I got out of my pajamas to meet the challenge of an open schedule. I believed every article telling me that this was the moment for cleaning out my closets, organizing my pantry, and culling my photos. Early in the pandemic, I loved my newly organized garage. I was glad to have talked to tackle the towers of paperwork I usually avoided. Productivity is, of course, a modern source of, ex of existential co co consolation. I'll say that again. It's a source of consolation. And a good day is a day when you get things done. But the new year, but this new year, I will not be hunting for a better planner, nor will I be searching for the best productivity app. For the first time, I will suffer no illusions this January that a new technique or a better consumer product will tame the wild beast of time. Time management is elusive. Though time might be money, as Benjamin Franklin famously said, we cannot grow our portfolio of time. Sure, we could try to maximize the yield of minutes, but as the pandemic continues to teach us, tomorrow is never guaranteed. Rather, we must steward our attention. And that is the point of her article, is to say that rather than measure our minutes, we really have to become good stewards of our attention. Despite all my renewed productivity efforts early in the pandemic, I never managed to silence the beating base of my anxious heart. I had plenty of time, productive time, and I still suffered time anxiety. So here we go again, another form of anxiety that we talked about. She is suffering time anxiety. As a Christian, I know time matters to God, but I'm beginning to think it matters less to him in the frantic way I have imagined. It's certainly true we've only recently conceived of time as a measurable instrument, something that must be used or wasted, saved or spent, but even before the invention of the clock in the medieval monastery, human beings have long been time-anxious creatures. And then she goes and she gives some examples of that. Time management cannot solve the crisis of mortality. And she, she talks a little bit about how she's developed some uh, skills through time management books. Uh, but it, she says it's also probably true that she could have just read one good time management book uh, to get a few good ideas on how to manage time. What seems far more important than the discipline of time management is the discipline of attention management. The minutes are not ours to multiply, we receive them as a gift. What we can do, however, is cultivate the habit of watching and paying attention. So I thought that this was a really great um, way of looking at it, that she noticed that the gains in, of attention in her spiritual life, um, when she started to do things intentionally, brought the benefit. It wasn't just having a checklist and just managing the time. She goes on to say um, that Matthew Crawford, in his book, The World Beyond Your Head, um, one that challenges modern life and our attention, uh, it's, he says it's not always ours to direct. We sit at an airport, we stand in line in the grocery store, we browse the daily headlights, and someone is there to blare their aggressively loud bullhorn begging us to buy, subscribe, believe. Attention is the contested resource. 
like a city without walls, it will be overrun unless we put up walls and fortify it against the attack. So what they're saying is everything is pleading for our attention. And unless we are deliberate with our attention, our attention will be strayed by all of these uh, flashy items such as news headlines. Your attention is valuable. Develop it for the good. When Paul instructed the Corinthians to take every thought captive in 2 Corinthians 10.5, I don't think Paul believed that attention was merely a rational faculty. I think he was thinking more broadly toward the moral exercise of attention. The attention of loving and the good and creating a habit for ourselves toward it. When you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So she goes on to say that she's been more interested in projects today uh, that are preoccupied with the cultivation of attention. Um, and she's reading now books on how to get into rhythms and how to manage her attention as opposed to managing her time. And she um, then cites, I thought this was great, near the end of her article, she says, I think attention is what Brother Lawrence learned to practice in the monastery kitchen as he washed the plates. He did not concern himself with time and its elapsing, but rather considered that all time was valuable insofar as it was inhabited with devoted attention. The time of, the time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. In the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons at a time are calling for different things, I possess God as great, in a great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. Time management marketing preys on dread that life is short that we are mortal. Its tips and tricks might help us manage some of the unwilling aspects of contemporary life and work, but it will not teach us to, as Brother Lawrence says, do all things for the love of God. For that, we must practice attention. I thought that was a great distinction for us um, as we feel sometimes anxious about the time that we have. I know I do, you know, like, how can I get all of this done? Um, but really to harness your attention and to focus on what your mind is thinking and what your mind is filled with and what your mind needs to focus on. So very great article I wanted to share with you. And again, I just skimmed the article. Um, it's a great article for you to read in its entirety. So two more things I want to do. Um, I was talking about Jonathan Edwards and his 70 resolutions for the year. And each week we're going to do one of them. And so this is his third resolution. Again, he uh, writes in what we would consider to be, you know, an antiquated style, but we'll go through it. It's very brief. Resolved, if even I shall uh, fall and grow dull, so as to neglect and keep any part of these resolutions, uh, to repeat all I can remember when I come to myself again. So what he is saying is if he, uh, if the resolutions start to grow dull, and we've seen that before, if you resolve to lose weight or resolve to exercise, and then you start to neglect them, um, not to just neglect them and then move on, but to um, repeat what you can remember and to come to yourself again. Uh, repent of, of having fallen away from them and then pick yourself back up and come to yourself again. So I thought that was a, a great reminder that we can fail, 
um, but we repent and we come to ourselves again. I'm going to briefly uh, move to scripture again, just because I think it's a really great thing to read scripture into our lives each day. And uh, last time we finished, we we're still on chapter two. Uh, God had just breathed life into man, and he told them that he could eat of every tree in the garden, but should not eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For in that day, if you eat of it, you will surely die. So we'll move on to chapter two, uh, verse 18. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, God formed every animal of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that became its name. Man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds in the sky, to every animal in the field. But for man, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So God caused man to fall into a deep sleep, and as the man slept, he took one of his ribs. He closed up the flesh in its place. God made a woman from the rib which he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man, and the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man will leave his father and his mother and will join with his wife, and they will be one flesh. The man and the wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. And so we'll start uh, verse 3 next time, um, or chapter 3, but just to say uh, the first line is, and now the, the serpent was more subtle than any animal of the field. So we kind of know what's coming. This We're, again, just going to uh, chapter 3, and we have the serpent there already. Uh, God moves quickly through his word when you read it, and uh, it doesn't take very long to see sin enter the world. The world. So I just wanted to um, end with prayer today, and a prayer for safety in the tiny community I live in. We had um, some of our two members killed in a car accident and on icy roads, and so we want to pray for safety today for uh, people who particularly live in these winter climates. So will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the message on anxiety and how we need to just cast our cares on you and put you on top of them and then uh, use your strength to get through the day. Father, we do pray for people who are on the roads and uh, we pray for the safety of people as these winter storms continue to move through and just bless everybody today. Keep them safe, keep them well, keep them protected. We pray this in your precious name, amen. So once again, you can find us at branchliving.com or on Facebook or Getter at Branch Living. On Facebook, we have an international community and it would be a privilege to have you join us there. So join us, encourage your friends and families to listen to the podcast because together we are stronger. So until next week, stay close to God, stay in touch, and I will chat with you again soon.